Hello and welcome back to Remember This, a podcast that is part book club, part TV and film vault and part time capsule, as we take you back to all the childhood pop culture stuff you may or may not have consumed. I'm Matt Bentley-Viney and this evening I am joined by... Gemma Bentley-Viney. No relation, just a coincidence. (laughs) I might put in some canned laughter actually. Okay. Because that was a funny joke. You should do that after all of your jokes. (laughs) And we're also joined by Meg Bentley Viney too. Yeah. Just FYI, she's sleeping on the floor next to us. It's 9.27 on a Tuesday evening. This isn't a radio show. Don't know why I'm talking like this. I think it's nice to set the scene. It's October. It's a bit spooky in here. The lights are a little bit low. There's a few candles on. The moon is very bright tonight. There's a few stars out. Ooh. I mean, you've just listed cosy things like, oh, scary <laughs> candles and stars. So it's, it's October, the month of Halloween and my mum's birthday. I don't know why you're associating the two together. They both fill me with fear. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they don't, but it would be witty if it did. You may not know this, but me and Matt do love horror films we love that as a genre oh hang on a minute i think we need to clarify something i love horror films i do and love wait horror and go and watch them at the cinema and watch them at home you love horror movies in a different way would you like to explain i have only really got into horror films in maybe the past four years i was quite old i was working i was out of uni i love movies it's my favourite kind of pastime. It's one of the reasons I studied fashion journalism. It was I always tried to link it back to film. But I could never get into horror because I was just too scared. And then I remember just thinking, you know, you know when you go to see a trailer? You know, I was at the cinema, a trailer came up for a horror film. And obviously they don't like to tell you what happens. And then I was kind of getting quite stressed out thinking, well, I want to know what happens. But I'm never going to see that film because I'm too scared. Well, I realised what you were doing when I went to see a horror film. I think it was Hereditary and it was really good. And I came back and I was like, oh, yeah, I want to tell you all about it. And then you were like, oh, yeah, is it really scary when this happens? Is it really scary when that happens? I'm like, how do you even know this? And then obviously people just write the whole plot. They do. A a day after it's released. On Wikipedia or IMDb. I will read the whole thing but then sometimes you want to watch the film afterwards as well but doesn't that ruin the surprise i leave a gap because i won't ever see it in the cinema i don't like watching horror films in the cinema i'm just not there yet i do love horror films but i don't like gore i prefer kind of a ghost story yes and i can read it and i remember thinking hang on i could watch that it's not that scary and uh, yes, and I've caught, have, had, had a lot to catch up on. Had to watch all the Insidious um, series, The Ring. Hadn't seen any of these films growing up. Conjuring, you quite liked? Because I was too scared to watch them when they first came out and everyone was, it was all hyped up and everyone was chatting about it. So. I thought it was quite funny, actually, because I don't think you realised I wanted to take you to see the Stanley Kubrick film, The Shining. And I don't yeah. think you realised it was a horror film. Uh, we saw it on DVD and I don't think I was really paying that much attention. And to be fair, I would say The Shining is like it's a daylight horror. It is mainly set during the day, which kind of throws you off a bit. I wouldn't say it's that traditional kind of horror aesthetic to it. So I don't know. I just kind of thought, oh, this is a weird thriller. It's a really long film. And then we went to see it in the cinema. I was a bit like, oh scary oh is that one bit the bathroom scene but this is our really elongated way of saying that basically on the run-up to halloween each episode we're going to watch some more spookier kids tv and it's going to culminate with a bonus episode released on halloween the 31st of october a very special mention for jack and the beanstalk 
but not as you know it. But we'll leave it as that. We'll give you a little clue each week on the run up. There's a few of you out there who will know what we're talking about. Because mainly our friends. Watched it with us. <laughs> but it does not disappoint. And it is creepiest, scariest kids thing you will ever witness. We're probably going to be recording some episodes on Thursday next week. So the Thursday after you've listened to this, if you listen to it on the Monday when it comes out, email us at gmail.com what scared you as a child do you watch any tv shows even if it was just like mr blobby and kind of things that weren't that well i mean i guess jack, jack and the beans was meant to be a bit creepy isn't it because it's a giant isn't it no it's meant to be like an adventure film not a horror film but whatever scared you on tv or film or a really scary doctor who episode email us because i would like to know and keep rating the podcast and commenting on the podcast and doing everything you can on the podcast have you told those five people I wasn't going to forget. I was always going to bring this up again. So if you haven't, it's very awkward now. So you've got until next week to tell more people to go and download and engage with the podcast. But on a serious note, thank you very much for sticking with us. Yeah, thank you so much. We love reading all your emails and seeing the ratings go up as well. So thank you very much. We really do appreciate it. Dropping that flex there. Watching the ratings go up. Here she is. (laughs) No, we do appreciate it. And, um, you know, we do this in our spare time. Obviously, Matt does podcasting as a living for other podcasts. But I I, mean, I work in an office job. So I really do enjoy doing this in this on, on the side as a little side hustle. But I don't earn any money from it. It's not a hustle. It's just on the side. <laughs> it's just on the side. Podcasts and sweet potato fries are my favourite sides. Uh, that should be your new bio, actually. Yeah, Not on Tinder, though. Uh, don't do away after that it's not like a lad yeah. thing yeah I, like, well, I guess it's almost an anti-lad thing where like no we're married so no don't do that please and this week we watched one bona fide classic that i think the majority of people will know we i was born in 93 i was 91 and we both loved this ab- show you know, synonymous with this show i feel like most kids born in the early 90s will know it and then the other show I didn't know you did. It's another one of those where it's like very early 90s. And for some reason, you watched it. I'm starting to, you know, my mum's lied along the way about how old I was. (laughs) I was never good at maths, so maybe I just got it wrong. So we watched Moan of the Vampire and... Funny Bones. Would you like to start off by introducing Moan of the Vampire, Matt? Men of the Vampire is a series that was created by Sonia Holliman. It's based on a series of 1990s children books of the same name that was written and illustrated by her. The series follows the adventures of Mona Parker, who refers to herself as Mona the Vampire, as well as her two best friends, Lily Duncan, aka Princess Giant, and Charlie Bones, aka Zapman, and her pet cat, Fang, as they imagine themselves confronting a new supernatural foe or solving a supernatural mystery in every episode. But there are always rational experiences explanations for what they see. It first aired in September 1999, ran for four series and 65 episodes, and last aired in February 2003. It wasn't on that long really actually. No, I felt like it was always on throughout most of my childhood, which is weird. And then episodes, a bit like Arthur and a few others, like Goosebumps, are split into two stories. It's like two 10-minute segments. Was Arthur split into two? Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was, yeah. (sighs) Did you watch Moan the Vampire growing up? I did. I always really enjoyed Moan the Vampire. I felt like I was a little bit older when I was watching Moan the Vampire. I remember it very clearly. So I think I was a little bit older. I think I used to watch it after school. Yeah, it was a 340. 
Yeah, I think I it was always right on. Now. I think I never really managed to watch the full episode. Oh, wait, no, I did because I definitely remember the theme song. Theme song, 10 out of 10, by the way. The theme song, unfortunately, is better than the TV show, in my opinion. Mm, yeah. The TV show, I realised while I was watching it, it's quite forgettable. I only remembered Mona and her cat. Oh, no, I remembered her friends. And I actually, I remembered quite a lot of, like, I remember her mum. They all look the same, don't they? They all have the same eyes. Yeah, which made them all, they had the same eyelashes. It looked a bit inbred, where they all kind of look like they could be related. A lot of good female characters, actually, I'd say this, it is kind of 80% female characters. Oh, yeah, it's Mona the vampire, not Martin the vampire. Exactly, and then she's got a female psychic and a male psychic, and her mum is in it quite a lot as well. Yeah, I didn't realise that... I think her, her dad is in it, though. Her mum and dad are divorced. Are they, are they definitely? Yeah, because in the episode we watched, she's going to ballet, and then it's like, oh, yeah, and have fun at your dad's. Oh. Yeah, I never realised that. I did not remember that at all. It's quite nice they don't make a song and a dance about it because it is kind of normal for a large proportion of families. I always really enjoyed Mona the Vampire though. I remember thinking she was cool, sometimes a little bit annoying. I remember thinking when I was like younger, "Mm, she's a little like, oh, a bit annoying. Bit much. (laughs) No, just like, I was like, oh, that's a bit annoying. Oh, you invited Cape Girl around again. Overall, I always really liked it. I liked how it was quite random in the sense that there's this girl who, who thinks she's a vampire. It's very specific, isn't it? Did you ever have, but I think it is, it, I say it's weird, but I had a, I knew a girl growing up who was, she definitely thought she was a witch. Oh. Like she was convinced, like she was like, yeah, I'm a witch. And we were all like, eh. not sure you are though. Did you ever have anyone like that? No, the only thing I really, really wish that I could be was in Dragon Ball Z doing the Kamehameha. But did you think you are? Were you like, would me, you tell I think, people? Um, like, me and my brother used to do games where we both pretend to be doing that. So we'd do our hands in the right gesture and do it at each other. But were you aware that you were not? Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I didn't wholeheartedly believe I could fly or anything like that. <laughs> I think because we come from the original Harry Potter generation, I know there's quite a few, few people in my year who were like, yeah, I'm, I'm a witch. I'm a witch, yeah. I'm waiting for my letter. I think they were. Have you ever tried running so fast you can fly? No, I I don't like running and I... I just, don't like flying. <laughs> and I, I got travel sick, so I don't think my child self ever wanted to do that. That used to be one of my favourite dreams. I used to run so fast I could fly. So then I would try and do it in real life where I do like sonic arms and then run across the playground. And it never worked. Oh. I fell over once doing it oh, on my face. Because obviously when you're doing sonic arms, you yeah, stick you're your gonna... face out. I don't think we did have anyone... I know what you mean, though, the type of person. In fact, that's like in that Jacqueline Wilson book, isn't it? She thinks she's a witch. Oh, yeah. They're quite, quite a What's few What's that called again? Uneducated mum? Illustrated mum. Oh, yeah. Wow. <laughs> that's Matt's interpretation. No, I can't remember it. Illustrated mum, so yes. There's quite a few Jacqueline Wilson, Jacqueline Wilson <laughs> characters that do that. I think in Midnight as well. I think she kind of is quite supernatural. I never really was like that growing up. I believed in fairies. Like I strongly believed everything was real. I believed, I think, in witches and everything. But I, I was never under any um, idea that... I was anything other than an incredibly normal person. (laughs) There was no kind of, oh, maybe I'm something more. I was painfully aware I was not magical. I think one of my issues growing up, actually, is um, I had an overactive imagination. And that's why I used to have really bad night terrors. And my mum and dad bought me a big dog to go on the end of the bed. And he was to stop the nightmares. And and I had those dream catchers. Yeah, I was going to say, I had My nan got me dream catchers. I'm convinced dream catchers work. Really? I'm like super convinced dream catchers work. 
But yeah, I had all these different things because I used to have such bad nightmares, honestly. I'd end up either sleeping on like my mum and dad's floor or my brother's floor and I'd just like sneak in there and hope they didn't see me. They're never in the bed. Why on the oh, floor? Oh no, I'd, I'd try, obviously, mum and dad, I'd try and get in the bed and then if they didn't let me, so I'd go back to bed, I'd pretend I had and then crawl in and sleep next to them on the floor like a dog. <laughs> <laughs> That's very sad. <laughs> And then I would do that to my brother because he had like a little like safety thing I could turn into a bed and he'd wake up sometimes and I was just making the bed. He'd be really annoyed at me. Was that when you were 14? <laughs> <laughs> oh no comment. Yes, yeah, so we didn't have any moaners then in our years at school. I nearly had a moaner. I really liked her outfit. I, I liked she had a bow tie and I had forgotten she had a bow tie. Oh, yeah. She had a cape, obviously. She had a hair up in I don't braids. know how she does that, though, because it looks like it's real, but it's clearly a wig. Because normally she has, like, a brown bob where she always has nice little bows in, like, each side. But then when she's Mona the Vampire... Yeah, she's got her outfit. She's got, like, black braids. And she has vampire teeth. She has, the, like, you know, yeah. the little... What would you call that? Insert? A brace? Well, just false teeth. Got false oh, yeah. Vampire yes. teeth, basically. Fangs. She has fangs. fake fangs that she puts in. I love that. I cat's called Fang. I like that. He looked really cute as well. But then the other two, I didn't really understand their outfits. One of them was called Princess. The Giant. Princess Giant. Yeah, I think that was... I'm sure there's an episode about it where... I might have completely made this up, actually, but we'll, we'll see. I think there's one of the early episodes where... Her friend is very timid. So I think her friend's very timid and very shy. And uh, Mona convinces her to be like, no, you can be princess, but like a giant princess. And you're powerful and you're strong and you're loud. You're a giant. You're a bigger version of yourself and you're this princess. So I think it's very much their alter egos because I think also her, their other sidekick, he's quite a geeky, timid boy. But I think obviously this is kind of like giving you this, you know, our costumes give them superpowers as they believe. Oh. And I'm sure that is one of the episodes where it's why she's Princess Giant because Mona sort of says to her, you should be Princess Giant because you're not damsel in distress. So it's hiding all their insecurities. Basically. These outfits. It's like, the real world's not happening. I'm fine in my bubble where I fight vampires and supernatural beings. But vampires are bad. That's what I don't understand. She's not like a ghostbuster. Vampires kill people. Yeah, if anything, she should have been like a Van Helsing type character. Yeah. Like going around like a crossbow or something like that. Well, exactly. So I don't really understand why she's like, oh, like surely these are her people. She should be like, yay, I found some ghouls to be friends with. Yeah, that's not true. Not to fight. When do you think she would have to drop the act? Because she's about 10 in this, I'd say. Oh, I'd say she's got You're one more You're not getting year. away with that at upper school, are you? I think she's got till she's 11. Do you think? <laughs> well, I... then someone's sitting her down saying, look, Mona, I'm sorry. You can have your fun and games. You can't be 12 doing that. Oh, it's so cute. She actually brings like a little duffel bag of her costume. It's just like, oh, she's so prepared. She gets ready into it very quick. Do you want to tell us about the episode that we watched? Because when you were introducing Mona the Vampire, you mentioned something, which is how I remember the show. You sort of said how it always has a realistic meaning behind it. Like there's reasons. So she thinks it's this scary thing, but actually... That wasn't true in the episode we watched. Exactly. That's what I thought. So I always remember it being, I always liked that. Like I had mentioned at the beginning of the episode, I'm used to be so scared growing up of horror films and everything. I was very easily frightened. You're still scared now. No, I'm not. I love it. You don't like the dark? Nobody likes the dark. I sleep with an eye mask on, actually. I love the dark. (laughs) Shut up. So yeah, I was scared of pretty much, I was a very easily scared child. And... I always liked the show because it was a bit like, ooh, this teacher's an alien. Ooh, oh wait, no, it's not. It's actually 
a face mask that's green. <laughs> there was always like this kind of reason behind it. And as a child, I'd find that quite comforting and being like, oh. There's a rational explanation. Exactly. That's the phrase. I was like, oh, it's not scary at all. Whereas when, yeah, the episode we watched, I no. Didn't happen. In, in both episodes, it was as it is. It was like, no, this is happening. So in the first story, it reminded me a bit of Suspiria, actually. And I don't know if it was meant to be a kind of parody of it. I was going to say that I'd forgotten the name because I haven't watched Suspiria yet, but it is on my list. So basically... Mona's been taken to uh, ballet and she doesn't want to do it. And she gets there and her best friend's really good at ballet, but she keeps being really clumsy. It's her cousin. It's her cousin. It's her cousin. And she's been looking forward to this show that's coming up. But however, she keeps getting really unlucky and hurting herself on every practice. The class is being run by a woman with a very long nose. And I always feel sorry for people with big noses or long noses because they're always depicted as evil characters. And in this, it's no different. And her son is going to be the star of the show. And she makes it very clear. She's like one of those like acting mums where it's like you... A mom will... Wait, what do you say again? A mom and <laughs> mom <-an. laughs> A mom -anger? No. mom -anger. What the hell are you talking about? What do they call... <laughs> Kardashian's mum. I don't, I don't, I've never watched Monja? it. A monja? Like, it's your momanja. Your... Oh, I see what you're trying to do now. It's because you're going, manja. <laughs> <laughs> I had no idea what you were trying to say. Momanja. <laughs> so you're trying to man, you say momanja. Oh. Is that it? Yeah. You're, you're trying to like condense two words into one, aren't you? Manager and mum. Yeah, momanja. Momanja. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still saying I'm weird now. You sound like when Jesse says the Jamaican accent thing. <laughs> My manager. My manager. But yes, she is very full on and is clearly living her dreams through... Dance mom. Her son, yeah, you, yeah, like a dance mom. Mona becomes convinced straight away that there is a hex on her cousin why is there an assumption that everyone knows what a hex is i had no idea what it was i hadn't heard of a hex either i was thinking is it like a poltergeist where it like latches onto you no a hex is meant to be a curse it's a curse isn't why it is she's a witch curse? i don't know and the mum has this kind of statue in the it's an class. award isn't it it looks like an award I yeah think it's an award mona gets told she's rubbish and isn't going to be in the show so she's over the moon she's really happy about it they go back to Mona's and cousin is upset and her mum's there and they're talking and they're just saying, how, oh no, she's she's so nervous about the show coming up. And Mona realises at that moment, yeah, it's definitely a hex. And she has these hex glasses that she puts on. And when she wears them, she can see the curse, essentially. And it's like a swan? Is it a swan or a goose? What are you on about? It's like this massive black crow, isn't it? No, it was a, it was a black swan. <gasps> Even more like dance kind of motif yeah. then, because obviously the black swan is the bad swan in Swan Lake. Oh, I just got that. And it's all red. And this is what made me think as well, that it's quite Suspiria because the colours are very, very vivid. And obviously you've got the connotations there with the ballet and things like that. So I do think they were going for that kind of angle. And Mona tells the cousin that she's going to come round 
with the team and they're going to take the hex off and solve the curse. So they turn up at the cousins and this is when she gets into her uniform and she's got like the duffel bag and everything. <laughs> and she introduces herself. I'm Moaning the Vampire. This is the giant and Zapman. Zapman is such a funny name for a character, isn't it? Like I mean, they don't all go. I-, I like that she's not like, oh no, we must all be kind of slightly gothic ones. Yeah, it's I wish like- they were though because I really like the gothic angle. I like that Mona's how she is. The she's other two just- are just generic superheroes when she can't be pretend to be a vampire anymore she's just going to be a goth for a few years yeah and then go and to an industry that allows her to dress as a vampire so the three of them have got the glasses they go back to the recital and manage to they do a battle with the teacher who is essentially now just out as a witch when she puts her glasses on so she can see supernatural things and the dance teacher is like this really She's a witch yeah it's like a it's like scottish and it looks kind of like a cartoon version of the witch from the witches well, i think that's good though because obviously oh no you have got the salem witches and things haven't you Who are the most famous witches i guess I but I was going to say, like, the majority of the mythology would come from the UK because obviously we've got like, the, one of the largest histories. When you compare it with, like, America and things like that, well, I might be talking absolute rubbish. I, I'm just, just putting two and two together a bit. Well, but. the thing is, when we watched it, I didn't think this was that clever. And now it's like, oh, it's a bit like Suspiria. Oh, it was a black swan no, I because think it's of very the swan clever. lake thing. I'm starting to think, oh, actually. And it was quite subtle about it as well. Like, whereas some things, when they do a parody, they make it really, really on the nose and obvious um i guess this wasn't really a parody it's more of a homage but and that's why i'm struggling to kind of detail the story because it was packed with information both stories are packed with information there was a lot going on i found it quite hard to take in but you can see how it was based on a book i guess if that was written these days it would be almost like a graphic novel the animation style was cool wasn't it that was good i was a bit disappointed in the animation style i think it's very kind of of the time it looked kind of similar style to like recess arthur that sort of quality yeah, that true. sort of coloring whereas i personally you know arthur and recess were my favorites so i can see why they went down that route but because of the gothic nature of the show and where it was she was meant to be a vampire i would have quite liked to have seen a bit more um flair yeah a bit more flair of the illustration made it a bit more kind of twisted made the characters look a bit more strange but I was surprised at how young it plays, actually. Like, I'd forgotten, because I remember being quite old watching it, but the characters feel very young, you know, when they're talking yeah. and it's like, oh, let's, the mums do their boring talk. And I was like, oh, wow, yeah. The children. Yeah, no, they, they were children and it's played as children. Because, you know, in a lot of TV shows, they're played as adults almost. Mm. And I thought the, the writing felt like kids as well. It wasn't like, oh, yeah, this is just a bunch of adults I, felt, I don't like it when that happens it, it felt quite authentic even though it had those kind of slightly smart elements where they were linking it to kind of Swan Lake and Suspiria it was very much a this is a children's show we're not making an effort here to entertain adults this mm. is a kids tv show aimed at children the end basically which you know, I think it worked well. We both loved it as children. So it obviously did the job there. Whereas actually if those other shows that had more adult elements to it, I don't think we were that engaged with. And the episode ends with them defeating the witch. They break her statue, which means that the curse is broken. And actually a different person gets cursed because when they try and curse Mona, she deflects it with her glasses or she's holding a mirror. I can't remember now. She's holding something that deflects it. And then the whole point of it was that the sun at the start didn't want to do the set choreography that the mum was saying. He wanted to improvise. And now the cousin, because she hadn't done any rehearsing, says, yes, let's both do it. 
and I'll improvise too. And they go on and they get loads of flowers and everyone says how brilliant it is. And then the witch goes out and it turns out she's now got the curse. And she falls over in front of all those people and it's very embarrassing for her. Yeah, and she kind of makes a point being like, I'm the choreographer. And they're like, but you didn't choreographer this. I had a lot of messages I think fell a bit flat. Like, I don't think I'd have found that relevant as a child. I didn't find it relevant now. It's like, wow, we improvised. We did well. (laughs) I mean, also, that's not a great message to teach children. Like, oh, I'm not going to plan this essay. I'm just going to go for it. I'm going to wing it. Yeah, but kids don't like rules, do they? They're going to be little rule breakers. Mm, True. So the second episode had one really awful element to it, but then also one element that I did really enjoy. I'm intrigued to hear what's awful. Gemma's slaying. But no, you know, one positive, one negative, it's fair enough. So this episode, it was all show and tell where they all bring their pet in. That seems to happen in a lot of American TV shows. Like The Simpsons obviously did it famous for Santa Little Helper. We never had that, We never had that. Is this just a fake thing they do in cartoons? I might have done show and tell with like... Oh, I did show and tell, You bring something in, but never pets or anything like that. That's just a logistical nightmare, isn't it? Yeah. How can you trust a kid to bring an animal in? Exactly. I can bring Meg in now. I don't trust myself. (laughs) I can bring Meg to work for the day. They all bring in these different animals. And then there's this recurring character who is kind of the rich girl. She's got a bit of an attitude. Did you notice what her name is? What? Angela. And then obviously the annoying character in Rugrats is also Angelica. And then there's Angela. Angela Anaconda. Yeah, but she's not an annoying character, is she? I mean, she's not the annoying character. That's Ninking Poop. But Angela's pretty annoying. But I don't know. I don't know why people... Was that a popular name in the 90s? Angela? We probably killed it off because we associate with these characters. Well, that's probably why Gary's been killed off now, isn't it? What's wrong with Gary? Don't know. Just there's a lot or of Gary, Gary glitter. There's a lot of old Garys and not many young Gary ones. Gary Barlow. Everyone loves Gary Barlow. Do you know any young Garys? Our age. Exactly. This is what I'm saying. There's no Garys anymore. I know, but I'm just saying, is there like a reason? Like with Angela, annoying characters. The recurring character, who's kind of this annoying, spoiled character, she brings in a pet parrot, and she's kind of not really talking about the parrot that much. It's because it's in like a solid gold, the most expensive cage you can imagine, and the parrot does talk, and it seemed to be quite wise. It also had a weird voice, as if it was <laughs> it like a robotic voice. <laughs> it did have a weird voice. So I thought they were going to go down that route, where actually it was like a spooky, I don't know, an alien or a robot or something. So they were talking about, wow, it can talk, and then the teacher goes on to tell a story about how it's called metamorphosis is that correct no shapeshifters what's metamorphosis what have i just said uh, it might be a similar thing isn't that when something changes into something else anyway shapeshifters that's what the teacher taught them about taught them is how a lot of people did actually used to believe that parrots were shapeshifters and then it goes into a really cool style which is actually how what i was saying earlier about how i'd really like mona the vampire to have had a slightly more eccentric and took a bit more risks with their actual cartoon style because in this episode it then went into this story and it was all kind of like almost like a black and white medieval-y gothic-y it was kind of like shadows Mm. of kind of different um, witches turning into cats and wizards turning into mice and it tells the story in that way and it does that throughout this second story in the episode and dinosaurs does it (laughs) yeah yeah they both turn into a dinosaur as well when they're fighting each other to keep one upping each other Oh. And it went, one went from a cat to a dog, and then from a dog to an elephant, and then from an elephant to a dinosaur. Oh, that's quite okay. That makes me feel like it's less believable. So then Mona convinces herself that this is how the parrot has come to be. 
Oh yeah, I thought that was really annoying actually. But she's just like, right, no, that parrot is not your parrot. That is a person. I'm <laughs> no proof, no evidence of anything like that. She's like, yeah, no, that is definitely a shapeshifter, not yours anymore. I'm gonna come and let him go. Would you believe a child if a child came up to us and went, That dog is not Meg, that is a human woman called Rachel who got turned into a dog when she accidentally sold her soul to a wicked wizard no but you always said that if a child said to you that your house is haunted you would move straight away you believe children (laughs) and animals if they ever make funny noises like they do in the films or anything like that if they're acting as if they can see things that you can't see yeah i think i would you you believe in if it was out of character if it was our child and they had to live there you know if it was just a stranger's child i'd be a bit like well bye if uh, it was our child and they're like this is haunted and they didn't say it at many places i'd be a bit like oh and then okay I'll, I'll take that as it is and i'm not gonna question you so yeah mona believes this and then it all got a bit weird though where they were like oh she just sort of asked the parrot and the parrot went oh okay then <laughs> and then said how he's a sorcerer's apprentice but he lost his wand yeah because they were shape-shifting and he turned into a parrot and he dropped the wand because it was his first jewel ah someone was actually paying attention well done Matt well done so now for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years he has been trapped in a parrot's body looking for the wand because they realised that the other when he dropped the wand the other sorcerer and picked it up and dropped it in the forest but changed it from a wand into a normal stick and then amazingly Mona just found a random stick and went oh that's his wand well the best thing is that she goes oh I know what it's going to be and there's a shop just called wood wood (laughs) shop (laughs) I don't think I've ever seen a shop just called Wood. I'd be concerned if I saw a shop called Wood. I I don't think I'd trust it. No. And a little girl and her friends going in there, I would be very dubious. I'll be on to the authorities in minutes. I swear he gives it to her for free as well. Yeah, he does. There's some weird underhanded stuff going on here and I don't like it. They're slowly introducing us to the real horrors of the world. (laughs) It does turn out to be his wand. He comes back to life, but he's still a child. So that's nice. He's not lost any time. And then he's like, oh, actually... I really enjoyed living in that house. I hope that house, the cage. I hope <laughs> no, but he thought he liked being looked after by Angela. And he's like, they? "Oh, I feel bad. I hope we can be friends." And then the next day, Angela's like, "Look at my new friend. He's just transferred, and it's him." Which is a bit creepy because technically he's like four hundred years old. It's like Twilight, but he's a parrot. I once said I'd like to marry a parrot when I was older. <laughs> yeah. So I can relate. <laughs> is that because a parrot would just copy what you say? Yeah, I talked to a version of me. No, it's because everyone's like, oh, he's your favourite. And I remember thinking, I was really young. I'm thinking, I don't really want to marry any of these pop star boys. But you know what I do like? Like parrots. Do I look like a parrot or act like a parrot? No, but you know, when you're little, you sort of think, well, I'm not into that yet. But what I'm into is parrots. Stop pushing me. I still feel like being into parrots is quite an obtuse thing. Um, that, that's that's not your mainstream thing, is it? Yeah, but when you're what little... are you into? Oh, parrots, mate. I, love, <laughs> I just love parrots. <laughs> no, but I didn't really know. I, just, I didn't know any parrots, and I just remember thinking they seem really good. Too far. I was into dolphins, so no, that's we a both bit have more... our cross to bear. That's more kind of typical, though, isn't it? There was a girl in my science class who just loved dolphins and just had dolphin pencil case and dolphin pencils and dolphin t-shirt on Muffy Day. 
So on the scareometer, what would you say for Mona the Vampire? Tame one. It wasn't that creepy. I remember that, uh, there must have been creepy episodes. If you guys remember any really creepy ones, let us know and we'll watch it. We're kind of starting off with very kind of tame ones where they're kind of cartoons. Where I think they're trying to show, look, spooky things aren't scary, really. They're cute. Where these aren't creepy at all, like Pingu's far scarier. Yeah. And that's cute. Unintentionally Penguins. scarier. Definitely. But it was weird re-watching it, seeing actually they did take inspiration from horror films. And also, no, they don't do a reasonable explanation for the scary things. There's none at all. Yeah, because I feel like that's part of the fun of it, isn't it? When it's like, well, it was actually just this. Like Scooby-Doo, when they always unmask them at the end. And it's like, oh, it's so-and-so. Didn't have that. No, it didn't. It was just a bit like, okay, the only way I can explain that show is she is a vampire. She does have superpowers. We need her. You're right. I didn't remember it being as middle of the road as that episode we watched. It was very kind of, not generic or anything, but... Oh, no, I guess it was. The stories were specific and were interesting. The stories were weird. I feel like there was something lacking for me, and I don't know what it was. I think it's a cartoon style. I think think? the stories are weird. The characters were a bit kooky, which I like. No, but the the side characters weren't. They weren't. The two friends didn't offer enough, in my Mm. opinion. In this episode, they didn't, to be fair. I don't know. I didn't feel like you knew who those characters were. You only really knew Mona. Like, I liked Mona. But the other two, I couldn't even tell you their names, really. But re-watching it, I think I enjoyed it more as a kid. Like some of these yeah. shows we've been watching, I've actually enjoyed more as an adult, whereas this definitely preferred it as a child. I, I loved it as a child. Mm, same. Um, I think now I would probably give it a three out of five. Yeah, I'd say the same, three out of five. And one of those points is solely for the theme song. And for scares, I'd give it two out of five because I, I don't think it was a one. I think there were some creepy moments like the witch had like horrible warts and things like that. Can I just say I really enjoyed it during the ending credits. It just kind of shows the house and then slowly each light in the house goes off. Gemma, would you like to introduce Funny Bones? This is how the story begins. In a dark, dark town, there was a dark, dark street. In the dark, dark street, there was a dark, dark house. In the dark, dark house, there were dark, dark stairs. Down the dark, dark stairs, there was a dark, dark cellar. And in the dark, dark cellar, some skeletons lived. There was a big skeleton, a little skeleton, and a dog skeleton. Off. Funny Bones is a British children's television comedy series which originally aired on S4C in Wales and BBC One elsewhere in the United Kingdom from the 29th of September to the 15th of December 1992. It was based on a series of nine storybooks by Janet and Alan Alberg, which were illustrated by Andre Amstutz and focused on the adventure of a pair of skeletons who were the Funny Bones and it was published in 1980. There was Big Funny Bone, Little Funny Bone and their dog who is called Funny Bone, I think. (laughs) <laughs> There's also white, white, who's a dog, black, black, a cat, <laughs> and the catchphrase of the animals was woof and meow. <laughs> why is that stated? Why? Why? We didn't Each need to know that. Of the show's 12 episodes were five minutes in length. The voices were provided by popular comedian Griff Rhys-Jones, who also sang the theme song as the Moon Man. Griff Rhys-Jones started uh, Talkback Thames, the production company, alongside two other people. (gasps) A huge company. Wow. I never, ever, ever watched this. Ever. Growing up. Did you not read the books either? I had no idea what it was. No. You didn't read the books? Nope. I feel like I remember the book more than I do the TV show. I don't think I had it at home, though. I think we had it in the library at school. Funny show, this. Hard to kind of describe. I thought it was... I liked it, to be honest. I really liked how, again, very dark. Whimsical as well. Yeah, it is whimsical and it is... Poetic. 
it's very visual. They do really well with their visuals. There's lots of interesting things going on. It's quite fun. And what I really liked about it is that it took a scary thing and made it nice because we obviously attribute fear to a lot of things that we shouldn't be scared of. There's no reason to be scared of the dark. There's no reason to be scared of bones or skeletons. But we, as people, attribute reasons Mm. to it. And we teach our kids to be scared of it. We teach... And we we shouldn't really. I always find that really interesting as well, in the sense that you're scared of what you're told to be scared of. Exactly. And I always kind of use it's harder to use examples of that in what we're scared of because I feel like what we're scared of hasn't really changed that much in our time of being alive um at the age of 26 it's not really changed that much whereas you can also say the same about beauty standards we deem something to be attractive if we're told this is attractive and in a very short you know even in kind of my generation it was growing up you had to have the thinnest non-existent eyebrows possible and it was always like a joke like oh does my bum look big in this oh no look at that fat bum 10 years down the line it's people getting their eyebrows tattooed onto them the bigger the better and the same with bums as well getting bum implants and that's what's now deemed incredibly attractive as big eyebrows and big bums so I do find it very interesting and how what we're told to find attractive what we're told to be scared of it is something you're kind of almost quite conditioned to exactly who decides as well who decides obviously in the The case of beauty standards it's taste and it's advertisers when it comes to fear though who decides that it's actually politicians and it's the government it's why people are scared of air travel and things like that because it's terrorism i liked funny bones the catchphrase for the big funny skeleton was annoying was that good idea good idea well, that was a good impression, though. Well done. Very annoying. It got very repetitive I very quickly. I feel like quickly. it's very similar to Raggy Dolls in the sense that also, obviously, one male character voices them all. But also, when they're like, the catchphrases, and the same with the Chuckle Brothers. These aren't catchphrases. <laughs> Woof, meow, good idea. It's still not, it's not a catchphrase, is it? Yeah, five minutes, it went, it flew by. Really quick, it went really quickly. In fact, I was left a little bit, um, I wanted more. So the first story was they go out for the night and they say, dog, no, you're not allowed. And I thought, oh, poor dog. So they close the dog in the room, but the window is slightly ajar. So the dog managed to get get out and they decide to go down to the dinosaur museum because that's a thing. Well, they'd been to the park the other night. They'd gone to the cinema the night before that. And then I said, oh, what should we do? And then one of them goes, oh, we should go to the dinosaur museum. And the other bone goes, oh, good idea. It's kind of like the Natural History Museum. Yes, that's true. They need to establish Dinosaur Museum. And then it foreshadowed Night at the Museum Mm -hmm. because all the dinosaur skeletons came to life and they were chasing them around, wanting to play it. And then the big T-Rex is really scary and actually gets annoyed because the dog manages to, as we said, get out and follows them down to the museum. And just as the the T-Rex is going to, what he thinks is attack his owners... He bites his tail and the T-Rex gets very angry because he just wants to play. And it's like, oh, we didn't know that. Yeah, we thought you were going to eat us. And I quite liked that. I thought that was quite fun. Yeah, it was very sweet. And the opening, I think, is what most people remember. Both theme tunes, we should do a little bit of segment now, actually, because both theme tunes are 10 out of 10. Yeah. Like, Mona is obviously more recognisable, but the dark, it gets stuck in your head. I feel like if you watched Funny Bones or read Funny Bones, you will know the opening of that. As soon as you hear it, you'll be transported right back to being a child, I think, with that. There's certain theme tunes that are so brilliantly made that they do just stick with you. Poddington Peas, I sing it almost every day. Yeah. And I never watched that growing <laughs> up. I only watched that for this. 
and I still sing it. There's something eclectic about it. It's it's really odd. Like it's not amazing or anything, but you just it gets in your head and it's really catchy. I always also really like this because I feel like it's a sharp contrast to a lot of other kids' TV shows where it is dark. The colours are dark. It's a nice change from the very overly bright, very kind of 90s, noughties, kind of garish, Mr. Blobby fingertips, brightness, a tweenies, mm. where everything's like orange and yellow. Teletubbies. Exactly. It, this is a really, I think this stood out. And I think this is why I didn't, I didn't watch Funny Bones that much growing up. I didn't have it on VHS. I don't remember watching it on TV, but I remember watching the episodes a couple of times. And I do remember the books. And I think it is, even though I didn't consume it as much as other things, because it is, sets itself apart. I thought it looked very expensive, but the animation was beautiful. Yeah. It was really good. It was like like Van Gogh's like Starry Starry Night esque. Like it was all just. It was lovely. It was lovely to look at. But you're right. It was dark. It wasn't like you say over the top and garish. I think this was a very much a kind of a nighttime. One of the things you'd watch before you know you're the last before, thing you'd watch you on the bed. TV. That's the last thing you'd watch on TV before going to bed. I think it was younger than like Moan of a Vampire. This felt oh, like a lot for, younger. Like maybe four to six year olds. Yeah, I think yeah. This is kind of Teletubbies. The same kind of into the night garden. That kind of age group. Because there's not a lot. I've realised that those things. Things. with that genre almost there's not much dialogue there's not much storytelling going on in that respect it's more just situations that if they find themselves in well, and think... then it just ends there's no real like conclusion <laughs> well obviously it's very repetitive and both episodes i actually thought the second episode was going to be exactly the same as the first and it wasn't which i was pleased about obviously in the dark dark night in the dark, dark and you know the funny bones and they kind of say make bone jokes a lot and stuff like that it's very repetitive but obviously when it's in a book it's kind of to help teach the child to read so you know where you'd almost you'd it would always be quite sing-songy and you'd often be reading a book and I wouldn't actually know what the word was by reading it. I just knew that word was that word because it was going to be, because it, it flowed in, yeah. and you it was repetitive. So it'd be like, and then in, in the dark, 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 you know, you would know what the next word was. It's quite a comforting TV show in that sense as well. That's true. When you think about the actual premise, it's actually really scary. Like in a cellar of a house, there are three skeletons, like a dog, and then it's two owners, the, I don't know if they're gendered actually, but the big skeleton and the small skeleton. And they're just like going about their business at night. That's really scary. If I was a child, I think I'd be a bit freaked out. Yeah, and I think, but I think that's what's quite nice about it as well is the premise. You sort of go, oh, I'm not sure about that. And you're like, oh no, it's fine. It's cute. In the second episode we watched, it was called The Ghost Train. And the three of them go on an outing on the ghost train. The big skeleton claims he's not scared of ghosts so the small skeleton makes it the objective to scare the big skeleton and dresses up as a ghost and tries to do that when they're in the carriage but then when they actually get to the destination of the train which is like the seaside yeah but it's ghost town <laughs> ghost town get it it's ghost town and there's yeah loads and loads of ghosts everywhere and big skeleton is very scared but then it just goes into like a weird montage. It's like, no, let's not be scared. Let's have a nice time. And they're taking photos with the ghosts. They're having ice cream with the ghosts. They're sunbathing with the ghosts. Oh, yeah, that was very sweet, actually, wasn't it? It was a bit like, what, what's up a deer? And they go home. <laughs> and that was it. It was lovely. Much easier to explain the moan of the vampire. But it was really nice. This one was particularly visual because there was a moment where you see all the ghosts going around like a merry-go-round and all these different things. It's all like flashing lights and it was brilliant. I thought the ghost looked amazing. I would say the TV show is like Nightmare Before Christmas with a tiny budget 
yeah, five that's minutes true. and aimed at five-year-olds and you've got it. That's really true. And I, who wouldn't want that? I think if I was to try and write a kids TV show for that age group, it would 100% be something like this. That's a huge compliment, obviously, coming from you as well, because um, obviously you are a script writer. We're trying to be one. <laughs> <laughs> I'm full of the jigs today. It was another one that felt very timeless. That could have been 70s, 80s, 90s. The only thing you could say, yeah, the quality of the animation, obviously with time going past and CGI being introduced and things like that. But even now, like if you've got a tiny budget, I think if you produce something like that, it would look brilliant. I don't think people would judge you. I think it's you're going to be less judged as well in the children's TV industry because obviously a lot of them are still based on books. I find that quite interesting, actually. When we're looking into these TV shows, I mean, like 80% are based on books. Moan the Vampire was based on a book. Goosebumps, obviously, based on books. This was based on a book. Funny Moans, it's based on a book. Obviously, Beatrix Potter, Raggy Dolls was his book. Animals of Farthing Wood, book. So many of them, originally were books so that's been quite interesting and i wonder if that is still true with kind of the more mm. recent tv shows if they're also based of books so how old were you when you were watching this i was very very young that's why i don't really have a super clear memory of it i um remember the books more than i do the tv show and i'm pretty sure i read the books at the library at the okay. school library i think it would have actually probably been like one of my teachers like mrs Paston or something like around halloween time like in october when they're choosing like a book to read you know actually it probably have been her i'm sure i was you know better at reading when i was in miss Paston's group but um i think it was one of those ones that teachers read to us were you pleasantly surprised i was actually i um enjoyed it i thought it was really sweet and kind of pleasing to watch I feel like it's aged well. I had no idea Grief Reese Jones voiced it. That's a big deal. Would you have these two TV shows, would you be happy for your children or children you're looking after to watch? Oh, 100%. I think I would definitely read Funny Bones or introduce a child to Funny Bones. I think it's a very kind of fun one to watch or read out loud to. And Mona? I wouldn't want to sit and watch Mona with them though. <laughs> yeah. I think I'd just leave them to it. Whereas with Funny Bones, I think Funny Bones, it wouldn't be annoying and also, again, talking about how it's a slightly darker and that's why um, you'd watch it. And we're not talking about darker in kind of tone. We're talking about darker as in actually visually the colours are dark. You watch a lot of TV shows and we often find it hard to be like, did we watch this in the morning? Did we watch this in the afternoon? Did I watch this before I went to bed? I just find a lot of the TV shows, they're so bright and energetic and yay. And I just sort of think... Oh, find it quite stressful to watch that before I go to sleep yeah like I remember clangers always being on at like six in the morning and it was such a like a nice way to if, if you couldn't sleep or you'd woken up early it was like oh this yeah this might send me back to sleep yeah <laughs> well exactly and I feel like this tone had that you know it's very you know obviously storybook it was dark it wasn't set at night time it fitted that genre which I don't think we've really explored yet where actually I was like there this is like kind of you know nighttime going to bed story you know good night was good night story what would you yeah Bedtime story. Bedtime story. <laughs> good night story. A good night story. Um, yeah, it's a bedtime story. It's a bedtime TV show. What would you give it on the scareometer? I mean, again, these aren't scary TV shows. These aren't creepy. These are simply kind of gothic themes, but done in a very lighthearted, childlike way. And I like that. I kind of like the idea of these things not being scary. I'm not hearing a number. One. They're not scary. I mean, it's not scary, is it? I would also give this a two because I feel like the premise is quite creepy. And with the dinosaurs as well, two little eyes watching it, that might be quite scary as well. Oh, I guess. So I'm giving both of mine twos. I would rate this as a four. I really I, enjoyed it. I would say Funny Bones is a four for me as well. 
We should also add, because I used to love bats growing up. This is completely irrelevant, but I don't care. Oh, no, this is quite spooky, isn't yeah. it? It's horrible. And we're probably going to encounter it in 20 minutes. So I used to love bats growing up. I used to love watching bats outside my garden. I loved Batman. I think Batman was one of the first. I mean, it's not an adult film, is it? Yeah, but, but it's not a bat either, really. No, but obviously it's bats. Yeah, it but you don't really see him it. as bats, Yes, you do, because he has loads of, he's a bat cave. And there's bats everywhere. And he's like, oh, bats. No, but you only really see that in the dark night. Uh, not in the dark night. In mm. Batman Begins a little bit well I don't know but I like <laughs> Batman and I like bats I've always been a fan of bats there's bats in the park near us that we take Meg to at night and I kid you not it circles me it's horrible and no and it flies so low and it's it circles us as we walk it's it's horrible it's really really frightening and obviously like Meg's still a bit nervous of the outside so we have to be super confident like yeah the outside's great and then we're there like trying really Hard, hard to not stay, to shit ourselves <laughs> to stay cool when it's like flying i swear it was following us it was so low and you could see it like swooping in like circling and i was like does it is it going to try and eat meg is it going to try and eat me what do bats eat uh, surely they're not well, they're blood like suckers, vampire they? bats no because no they're not the, the majority are fruit bats there's only a certain selection they can't be in the uk surely what, in Clapham? <laughs> yeah, vampire bats in Clapham. Who knows? Maybe we should write a book about it and make it a TV show. Well, you wouldn't want to be bitten by one, that's for sure. You'd probably have bloody rabies. Forget about losing your blood. I feel like if it, I feel like it's going to hit me in the face one day. Like with its wings, it's just going to hit me in the face. A pigeon hit me in the face before, wasn't it? Do you remember that? Yeah, I do remember that. That's funny though. So that rounds up this week's episode of Remember This, the first instalment of our... <laughs> Halloween-esque kids TV shows. Please give us an email if you have any you'd like us to watch, if you have any feedback, if you have any thoughts. We always love to hear from you at remember this question mark is in the word question mark at gmail.com. We hope you have a lovely week, whatever day you're listening to this on. You can also follow us on Twitter at Matt. Oh, you're giving us a plug. Here we go. I know. We, I never do this. At Matt B. Viney. I can't even remember. I think it's Matt Viney 12 or Matt B. Viney. If you search Matt Viney, he'll come up. And I'm at... at Why are you looking at me? I don't know. Jem Viney. You're, no, you're Jem... Um, Bentley. Jem Bentley. Because I have changed my socials to reflect my double-barreled name, whereas you haven't. I live my single life on Twitter. If you search our names, we'll come up. Bye. We'll see you next week, Monday at six. See you there for the second instalment of... Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening. Bye.